Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Good afternoon, Tommy. Good afternoon. And uh, welcome all to Legends of the Seven Seas podcast. Joining me today is a total legend, a fella that played over a thousand games in the beautiful game and played it beautifully, I must add, Mr. Thomas Hutchinson. How are you, Tom? Very well, thanks. And you were you were christened Thomas. Uh, we all know you as yes. Tommy on the twenty second. I've been called a few other names. Yeah, mate. <laughs> absolutely, haven't we all? Twenty second of September, nineteen forty seven, which makes you seventy five years young in Fife, exactly. Scotland. Uh, Cordender is is that how you pronounce the area that you were born, Tommy? I was born. Strangely enough, it's, it comes under Cardenden. Got ya. It's Cardenden, but I was actually born in Dundonald, which is sort of a, uh, a little village. It's a, Cardenden comes over, uh, covers about four little villages, round, all mining places round about, and Dundonald was one. So your upbringing in those early days, uh, your schooling, was you clever at school? Was you So was you academic or was you more into your sport? Where did you get your football from, your dad's side, your mum's side? Um, probably my mum's side. Yeah. Uh, my dad's side, none of them had anything to do with football. Um, my, mother, my mother's side, there's a couple of them played. In fact, one of my uncles who I never met, uh, my uncle Dave, he actually got killed playing football. He got he got kicked in the privates, and in those days, he just nothing was done about it and everything. But he did die when he was twenty-one. Do you terrible? What's your earliest football memories, uh, Tommy? Playing football and then going to football. Did you play at school for the district for the county? Well, the, the, strange, strangely enough. Um, when I was um, when I was at school, um, the junior school, obviously, I, I was very well. I wasn't very uh, bulky when I got older, but um, I was quite skinny. And um, at one stage, my mother took me to the hospital uh, in Edinburgh, the, the children's hospital, um, because I was so thin uh, because I could eat, but I was. She was just a bit worried about it. And I can remember, I got, they gave me all the tests and everything, and the doctor says to my mum, um, excuse me, dear, but how, how tall is your husband? And my dad was about five, six, the same as my mum. And she says, he says, well, you can't expect a crow from two sparrows, can you? <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And uh, again, when I went to the secondary school, which again, academically, and I wasn't. I just did what I need to do. I think, and uh, usual reports could yeah. do better. Usually, if I could, if he attended Ofna. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
I didn't actually play at school. In fact, I used that when I went into the football and the community side of it, um, when I was coaching kids in, in, in schools, is that um, if I had any turmoil with the kids and calling names at each other, and you're useless, you're hot. And I used to sit them down and say to them, look, I played X amount of games in, at top level. I played in an FA Cup final. I played in the World Cup final, and by that time I've got them all quiet now yeah. because they're listening. And I says, I never played at school. Why do you think I never played at school? Of course, was yell. <laughs> did, did the teacher not like you? I says, no, I didn't play at school because it was useless. I says, but if you work hard and try and keep, you will get better. So there's no good use all shouting at each other for. He's rubbish or that. If you work hard, that's what you'll get. And really, that's what I did do in theory. Um, I used to, over the local football club, which was about 200 yards away from uh, my mum's house, uh, was a five junior club called Dundonald Bluebell, which is where I started. And... Um, we used to, we were my friends, we used to go and watch the games on a Saturday and um, there was one day we played, we were along, I'd be about 15 at that time. And again, I hadn't played at school. Mind you, Billy Johnson was at the school at the time. So <laughs> it was quite difficult to get in the team. Um, so we went along and uh, at Dundonald, it was a junior men's football and... Um, the, the local team that played the uh, the the team was picked in the local pub at lunchtime, so they picked the team and everything. But when they got to the ground, which was about ten minutes walk from from the pub, um, seemingly four of the players who came from Metal, which is about um, twenty miles away, um, the car had broke down, so they couldn't get there. So they were short of players, and one of one of the committee boys that were on it was uh, my uncle and he, he shouted to me and I got called Tam at that time. He says, Tam, go and get go and get your boots. You can get a game. So I came and that's how I first started. That was really organised football was the first thing I did there. Wow. <laughs> I didn't realise that, you know, because you, you take it for granted. They're all great players, started playing football at school, etc., etc. But you literally stumbled into playing football with your pals because a, a car broke down. Yeah. How, how did you then get into the pro game? Because you signed for Alloa in um, yeah, 1965, well, I played, didn't you? I, I, yeah, I played for the Bluebell. Yeah. Um, for a couple of years, and uh, well, I would, I think it would be about a couple of years, 1966, 67, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And um, when I was there, I had a couple of trials. I had a trial down at Blackburn, and um, that didn't accompany anything. Which I had a trial down at Oldham, and Oldham was a good one for me for when I went to work in the schools, yeah. because. Um, when I went to Oldham, I thought I'd play quite well. But again, when I went down there, it was men against boys for me. You know, I was still very, very slim and not very, I mean, I couldn't take corners because I couldn't reach. Yeah. And uh, I played quite decent in the game, uh, but I got a little, um, 
Jimmy McElroy was the manager at the wow. time. And he said, uh, I had the letter from him saying that he thought that I had good skill and ability, but probably wouldn't be strong enough to play league football. Mm. And I kept that letter. And again, similar to, to what I said about the kids about not playing at school, is I kept that letter and I tell, told them that when I had any trouble with them, that letter, I could have taken it two ways. I could have listened to them and give up. Or I could have set up to prove them wrong. I say, so you've got a choice. And my, the choice that I took was the opposite. And that really worked, I think, with the kids. Is that, um, as long as you've, you've, you've got an opportunity. And again, I had a, a trial with Dundee United, and a similar thing was there. And again, as I said, my dad wasn't football-minded or anything, but he took me up to Dundee. And um, after the game, um, we played we played Dunfermline Athletic Reserves. It was in a reserve game. And again, I was men and boys, really. Mm. And uh, after the game, I didn't play very well at all. Um, went in for a cup of tea, and I could always remember the old deal that was in. She was pouring the teas out. And... Um, but she never lifted her head up. She just says, how did you play today, son? And before I could open my mouth, my dad says, no, I didn't play very well today. And the old dear, the old dear said something I never forgot. She says, well, you must have something, son, or you wouldn't be here. Yes. And I remembered that uh, every time I felt a bit, a bit down or anything like that, and it spurs you on a bit. And that, that, when I came back from Oldham, um, I signed for Alloa. I had a trial with Alloa, uh, scored the goal, made two, and that's how I signed. And your professional football career then kicked on. You've mentioned uh, quite a bit so far in the podcast, Hard Work and Belief. Now, that's the title of your book, Hutch, Hard Work and Belief. And it's written by the son of your manager at Blackpool, isn't it? No, he's not. I don't think he's his son. Oh, okay. Is he related? Because they've got the I same son. So, no. Oh, have they not? Because no, it's Les not. Shannon, and his name's Kevin Shannon, isn't it? It's Kevin Shannon, but Kevin, Kevin used to be a big. He was a school teacher. He was a big supporter at Coventry when I was well, at Coventry. He used to go to all the games, and he he just decided. He says um, he'd asked at the club if anybody had written a book on me, yeah. and he said no, and he'd retired from school. And he, say, he says, well, I would like to have a go at it. And that's what he's done. Fabulous. But and you must be very proud of it, uh, Tommy. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Well, they wanted to call it um, Mr. Magic. Because yes. that's what that's what, um, that's what the old chairman used to call me. He did. But I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't wear that one. I said, you can't, you can't call yourself Mr. Magic. I could somebody else can, but I can't. Yeah. Um, and I just felt, he says, well, what do you think you got a career like you did have? And it was exactly that. It was hard work, and I believed in, in what I was doing. Absolutely. Who, who were your heroes growing up, Tommy? Pardon? Who was your heroes, your football heroes growing up? Who did you look at? And Dennis think? Law. Yeah, the law man. And I, and I was uh, unbelievable. Dennis Law, who, and again, you're always told to, always view your heroes from afar and that was exactly the opposite when i first played for scotland he was in the he was in the squad that i got picked in yeah. and he was just 
exactly what he would, you'd want him to be. When I went into the hotel um, for the first meeting at the station hotel in Glasgow, went in, big man, in you come, have a cup of tea. And I'm thinking, that's been a slaughter <laughs> to me. You know, and I'm thinking, I'm just, I, I used to play for the Bluebell. I never played at school. And like most of the players with Scotland, I think if you look back, they all played either schoolboy international then, uh, under 18s or under 23s. Um, and again, he just, he, that's what he was. And in fact, when I retired at Merthyr and when I stopped playing altogether, the chairman actually got him to come down and present me with a trophy on a dinner. And that was just fabulous for me. You retired in 1994, aged 46, and you played over a 1,000 games. What did you find was your luckiest and most unluckiest grounds throughout your career, Tammy? Well, Wembley was my unluckiest. That was an easy one. That's quite an easy one to pick. Um, the luckiest, yeah, I, I love playing at... Uh, Highfield Road. Highfield Road was a good ground. And but then again, so was Man City, so was Blackpools. They were all good. The one probably playing away for home that I always liked to play on was Villa Park. Okay. I always enjoyed playing at Villa Park because it always seemed to be sandy and nice and neat and yeah, I enjoyed playing at Villa Park. Now, you moved to Blackpool, you played 165 league games, scoring 10 goals, and it was Stan Mortison that was the manager at the time before Les Shannon took over. Um, again, another legend, wasn't he? Stan, his lucky ground must have been Wembley because he scored a trick in the Matthews final. Yeah, and never got a mention. <laughs> it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> it was. You scored no goal and they don't let you forget it. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's... Uh, well, there's more people know me for scoring their own goal than stand for that. Yeah. Because because even when I was at the schools, when I was working in the schools, the kids didn't know me really. I would say, that, look, I'm not, I'd tell them that I'm not um, Sir, I'm Tommy. You know, right? Sir is Alex Ferguson. I says, but when I come to take them for football, I says, but, um, you know, it's just, that's how it is. And uh, when, when Stan went, came for me uh, and I went to, to meet him, it was like um, I was going to my dad. Yeah. You know, he's, he was just so, so... Couldn't have been a better man to go to at that stage of my career. Yeah. Not football-wise, but growing up. Yeah. You know, he, um, the myself, Henry Mowbray and Tony Green all signed at the same time, within wow. months of each other. Tony, in fact, I must have played against Tony in my first game because we played Albion Rovers and he played for Albion Rovers and we all stayed in the same digs. But Stan seemed to have that and that. Football-wise, tactics and everything, um, his favourite one was, come on, boys, another 45 minutes and we'll all be on the drink again. <laughs> and that was it. Well... He didn't say on the thing. He said something else, yes. but I can't. Yeah. I can't. And, but, but there's not one person that I've ever played with for Blackpool when Stan was here would let him down. Yeah. You know, because he knew where his heart was. He knew he loved the club. He loved what he was doing. And uh, again, when Tony and I sang for him, uh, it would be every now and again, he would know, he'd, he'd get us at call you in the office and he'd say, you three, 
I don't want to see you till Wednesday. And he would give you a tenner for your train fare. He says, get yourselves back home. And I think he came down for Gala Shields or something when he was young. Yeah. And he must have felt, he knew how he felt. Although we were, and we were just, well, I was 19, 20, he just knew we'd be a bit homesick. Yeah. You know? And he was, he was absolutely brilliant for that. Again, great management. Uh, most, yeah. most difficult opponents or teams that you you played against throughout your career, Tommy? I think and, and in the 70s, I think the worst would be I'd go to the Leeds. <laughs> you know, they, you, they only give you a loan of the ball for a bit. And, yeah. and the full-backs, they, they were a bit like... Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When I played for Scotland against West Germany, when you when you swapped your shirts with them after the game, you got your own back. Yeah. The match of that time. Yeah. No, they were just awesome. They were, they did, they were, they were everything that, um, at that time. Probably didn't get enough praise for it because they were a bit like, uh, when I spoke to Terry Yoras, when obviously I played with Terry at, at Coventry, yeah. uh, and at Swansea, is that the players weren't, were sort of refused to, uh, allow themselves to get beat they were really good but at the same time um, 1-0 2-0 that was enough they would shut up shop yeah. and keep the ball which nowadays everybody thinks it's great to, to score and keep a man fit to get it or Liverpool get they get the ball nobody gets it they put it in the fridge they said yeah. and just keep it where and then they, they, in my day they wanted to see goals they wanted to see action yeah. You know, I think there was more ball players than what there was now. The that you know, you you see the stats, the number of passes, number of this, where people want to see um, goal action and people going past people, and because that draws fouls and that, that gets the crowd on their feet again. You know, it's that that was the most enjoyable part in the seventies for me. Absolutely. I never judge players by stats. It's a it's a, a modern thing. It's the new yeah. new as they look at stats and, and they go, well, this player must be this because look at his stats. I always judge yeah. a player on what I look at and how I'm entertained by the player. Yeah. And if I want to go and watch that player again, I, I, I couldn't care less how many times he's given the ball away. No. He's put a killer ball through he scored a goal or you know he's been an absolute breath of fresh air every time he's received the ball he's been on his toes he's looking to play forward and that's that's as I judge and have always judged players sadly you're spot on it's about yeah, and I think it sort of it sort of put me off playing uh, yeah. watching them playing absolutely because and I've, I've, we first had that where when I was at uh, Seattle 
Yeah. Because as soon as you come off the pitch, they handed you a sheet of stats. Got I used to look at them, and I'm looking, Alan Hudson, no shots at goal. Yeah. You're thinking, so what? Yeah. Does it does it matter? Yeah. So long as he's creating other things for other people, that's the main thing. Yeah. There's, and then you've got somebody else, 68 passes, never gave the ball away, but never hurt anybody. Passed it back to the fullback. Absolutely. And and, and like you know, I watch them playing, and I'm thinking, um, the fullback, and he'll play a cross field ball, which maybe say from the right side to the left side to me on the wing, which is if he can play a long ball to me, that gives me plenty of time to take the fullback on. Yeah. But now you see it, that a change of play like that, and then he rolls it back to the fullback. Yeah. And you're thinking. You've just stopped playing holding on, whereas before, my job was get at them, make them make, force them to make a mistake, get to the byline and get as many balls into the box as you can. And uh, I think that that it got a bit mundane for me watching them. Well, when Barcelona were at their height, you could, if they get if the goalkeeper got the ball at Barcelona, you could go and make a cup of tea and come back, and they'd yeah. still be on the halfway line. You know, it was, which you wouldn't get away with that in my day when the crowds were there. <laughs> they wanted the ball going forward. I think our crowds were spoilt because that's what all teams did do in our day, in the 70s. Players, teams went forward, tried to score goals. It was a different game. It was a better game. If you could replay one game that you played in during your career, Tommy, what game would it be and why? Um... I think it was a game against Blackburn Rovers for, for Blackpool. Yeah. It was the first day, and I played against Keith Newton. And it wasn't until later that I found out that the lad that was, watch, was watching them that day was a scout, well, he was a coach and scout, it was Tommy Casey um, from Everton. And they were watching them, and I absolutely tore them to bits. And it was one of those days where you're just not going to stop me. Everything I did, any any pass that I played was good, any cross was good. When I took them on, there was no way I could beat them either side, any side I wanted. And it was just one of those games where everything come off. And uh, that was the most pleasing one. Other than maybe the one or two for Man City where, you know, we're struggling down the bottom. When I first went there, same with Coventry, we were struggling down the bottom, and you make a couple of good crosses and you get goals from it. That was the most pleasing. I mean, probably my fault that um, maybe if I'd have had John Bond at an earlier age, I would have done maybe what Pep did to a few players at Man City and score more goals. Mm. You know, I tended to be knocking, being the provider more than. Um, so I, I did. I must admit, I got more pleasure at um, creating goals than I did scoring them. But I think that is a that is a trait of a winger, isn't it? You get more enjoyment making the goals than scoring the goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you, at the same time, you know that the the, the centre forwards are the ones that will make the money. Yeah. Because uh, and and again, you're talking about stats. Uh, Nobody complains with Highland when he scored. They played the other day. They scored the hat trick, touched the ball eight times. Yeah. You're thinking that's a good ratio. I've had it 200 times and haven't scored. <laughs> you know, but nobody says anything because he scored goals. Yeah. And, you know, but 
that's just the, the trait of the players today, isn't it? Absolutely. I've I, I done a podcast, a, a Legends podcast with Paul Fletcher, and he said no matter what dressing room you went into, you always had an Englishman, an Irishman, a Scotsman and a Welshman. You, yeah. had, you had a dresser, you had a comedian, and you had a ladies' man. Who, yeah. who, who, who were them characters in your dressing room throughout your career, Tommy? Well, I think... Um... Most of the clubs that I've played with, maybe I was an instigator there as well, is you always seen the funny side of everything. And you, yeah. uh, you know, I could remember when uh, I was at Blackpool, and again, as I said, I was a bit a bit slight at that time, and um, talking about abuse and what, <laughs> what you were getting bullying. Um, we used to get weighed on a Friday, and you you would go in under the stand which was freezing cold so you're there with your shorts just your shorts on so you get them when you come back and you've got to get past the well i was in the reserve team dressing room you've got to pass the first team dressing room yeah. and as i'm walking past with tony green and henry to the um alan skirton who was a big winger that played for he played for arsenal for a spell and then he came to he was at us and then he was at bristol great big lad and the winger funny enough he was a right winger and just as I'm passing, he shouted, Oh, what weight were you? Hutchie, what weight were you? And of course, all the lads in the dressing room, because he's got Jimmy Armfield and Gordon Milne and all Johnny McPhee and all the other, having a laugh. And for some reason, I just turned and came back and I says, Alan, what weight should you be? <laughs> and of course, the lads all started taking the mick out of him. But that was the way you just to stand up for yourself. Yes. And, you know, you enjoyed it, and uh, I think uh, when I was growing up, I, I, playing-wise, I think in the dressing room, the best dress one was Stan Mortensen. He was immaculate, yeah. and I was lucky enough that um, I, it was a trait that I held all the way through my football, is um, we went to, Bob Stokoe followed him, yes. and then Bob Stokoe, Again, was always smart, always immaculate, shoes always gleaming. First one to get us club suits and everything. You know, you felt the part. And I could remember, I did that all the way through. When I went to um, Hong Kong, we played in Hong Kong, and uh, the weather was very humid. And so everybody went in a pair of shorts and t-shirts. Everybody played on the one stadium in it, the National Stadium in Hong Kong. And we went to it. And flip-flops and whatever, and you've got your boots, you've got everything there. So you've got to look after all your own gear. And I got there, and I come back after a couple of games, and I says to the wife, I says, Heidi, I can't go to the games like this. I says, I don't feel as if I'm going to the game. Yeah. I feel as if I'm going to training. And from then on, I wore a collar and tie and a jacket. Uh, and I used to take a spare shirt with me because it, with the humidity, it was that warm. I had to change it after the game. Yeah. And then in the Chinese, you used to call me Mr. Gentleman because I, because I always went. And again, the funny side of things, before the game, there was a couple of English lads playing for uh, other teams. I said, oh, you're going to a wedding? You know, before the game, I says, no, I bought this for the last time we played Jews with the bonus money. <laughs> so that used to shut them up. So but I did, that was something that I took from Bob Stoker and being well-dressed and smart. And again, 
if you can't be a footballer, at least try and dress like one. Absolutely. You won the Anglo-Italian at Blackpool in 1971. And whilst in Hong Kong, you played in the 81, which was the 100th FA Cup final. Yes. And then in 81, 82, 82, 83, you were you played in the Hong Kong FA Cup finals as well. So you played in two FA, uh, three FA Cup finals on the spin. Yes. And, then, and we won the Welsh Cup as well. Yes, you did. 1979, 80. Which got us into the Cup of Cup. You was 42, wasn't you, when you made your I was, debut? I you? was 40. I was 42, and the little fullback behind me was a little lad called Sullivan, who had been at Norwich. And I see, the gaffer says that team will get some ragging if the two. There's two years here. You have nearly 90 years between you, <laughs> and you're you're running them ragged. <laughs> Yeah, but I never bothered, my age never bothered me, it only bothered other people. You Absolutely. know, my fitness was the thing that, um, that I was always, and I've been lucky. I've been lucky in the sense that the teams that I've played for, like for the Blackpool, good pros, good lads, you know, worked hard in training. Um, I had man uh, at Coventry, again, great set of lads, Willie Cars, Colin all players that are long. Even when I went to Seattle, you know, people like Huddy and Nishi, Bruce uh, Big Roger Davis, you know, when it comes to training, it was the same as, you know, the same as when you played on a Saturday. I was, I was lucky in that sense. Your most appeared um, club, if that's the right word, you made the most appearances, that's probably a better phrase, was Coventry City between 72 and, and 81. You made over 300 appearances in the Football League, uh, scoring 24 league goals for Coventry. That was a fantastic kit that you played in, the sky blue and the chocolate kit. Yeah, the They were very kit. iconic. Well, tell me yeah, about them, talk were. about them days at Coventry. Well, the, the the chocolate one was the best one because I made quite a bit of money out of that one because um, I used to go down on a Sunday, we'd go down for a pint down to the uh, working men's club with my next door neighbour because we lived on a, a little housing estate. Went down there and uh, he, he worked at Massey Ferguson's and we'd go down for a pint and big, big city fans like and... Uh, we go down there for a pint and they'd say, um, lads, what do you think the kit's going to be next year? Oh, could be green. No, it's been green before. It was green and black. I said, well, I'll give you three guesses for a pound. And honestly, none of them, well, nobody, I wouldn't have even got. And, and when I told them chocolate, there's no way <laughs> that it was. And I think the first game we played against was Bradley County. Right. When we wore it. And Tommy Dot was a manager. And he says, oh, the light chocolate bars will melt in the sun. <laughs> we beat them three now. We wasn't so happy after the game. SRB Media. And you can find the full episode of this podcast at www.patreon.com forward slash SRB Media.